so this month we're going to be digging into purpose uh, as a whole. And today is purpose part one, which we're going to be talking about the purpose for our pain. The purpose for our pain is where we head into part one. Would you turn with me? Uh, if you've got maybe a couple of ribbons in your Bible or a couple of place markers, why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 8 uh, first. And then also mark Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be on two different portions uh, of the Bible today. So Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament and then Exodus chapter 3 in the Old Testament. And if you use a digital Bible, it'll be easier to switch between the two. If you don't use a digital Bible, it'll be on the screen. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's, that's my boy. Amen. How many of you know today that pain doesn't always seem to be your friend? That's right. Pain does not always seem to be our friend. So there's, there's lots of instances and moments and times that we just find ourselves in pain. We find ourselves in struggle. We find ourselves dealing with situations. Uh, we find ourselves going through and wading through the muck and the mire. Uh, we find ourselves in hard situations that are hard to deal with with our heart. We find situations that are hard to deal with with our mind. Uh, how many of you know sometimes you can get tired in your heart and then sometimes you can just get tired in your mind, right? You just get tired of thinking things through all the time or, or trying to figure things out all the time and your brain just starts to shut down. If you're anything like me, I, I, I just start to zone out when my brain is overly tired and I've been dealing with just too much and it could be good stuff or bad stuff, but just too much that you're dealing with and my brain can begin to just kind of zone out. And, and in those times, uh, mostly my daughter, because I work with her almost every day, uh, but a lot of times my wife also will look at me and say, you didn't listen to a word I said, did you? They're like, you're just, you're just repeating, yep, mm-hmm, yep, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I have this soundtrack that's in the back of my mind, and every once in a while when I'm just too tired to focus on what, on what uh, somebody is trying to describe to me, I, I play this soundtrack. It just gets automatically played, and it's like, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm, oh, really? Wow, that's interesting, uh-huh, yep. Uh, so, so I'm telling on myself a bit this morning, so if you ever find yourself in a conversation with me, and you hear me going, yeah, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, yep, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I sound like one of the Muppets from the Muppet Show or something, like, uh-huh, And I start that, then just just recognize and realize my brain is already shut off. Like, I'm, I'm just tired, right? And and that's no excuse, right? But And I try not to do that and be engaged with people on a regular basis. But every once in a while... Uh, my brain just needs a break, right? But when you're going through pain or you're going through a situation or you're going through a challenge in your life, uh, it's so much easier for your brain to get tired. And then it's also easy for your heart to get tired. You can be emotionally tired too. You can be emotionally wore out from dealing with pain. So all of this kind of stuff deals with us on occasion. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about sometimes there's a purpose for your pain. 
Sometimes what you're going through, you're just going through because it's a broken, sinful world, right? And sometimes you're going through what you're going through just because the world isn't perfect and won't be until Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom, right? And, and, and we get to experience that or we, we meet him in the air in the rapture, you know. When those times come, then we won't have as much to worry about or won't have anything to worry about at that point, right? But until then, this world isn't perfect and sometimes pain is just pain. But sometimes you're going through pain, and, that, and going through the pain for the season that you're in, there's a reason for it, right? Sometimes the pain is there for a reason, and that's kind of what I want to dig in today and talk about. But oftentimes when we have the pain, uh, we, we can't really uh, figure out any kind of reason why we would be going through this, right? And we say things like, well, God is so big that God knows you know, the, the bigger picture. And we say things like that, but how many of you know sometimes we say that because it's the Christian thing to say? We say, well, God knows the bigger picture, and God knows, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why I had to deal with that. And, and on the inside, you're screaming. On the inside, you're like, again? I don't want to go through this again. Are you kidding me, God? And on the inside, you get frustrated. And a lot of times, the greater the pain, the greater the frustration with God. And sometimes when you're dealing with pain and frustration, listen, uh, uh, some, some people in the room may get a little uncomfortable uh, when I talk about anybody being frustrated with God. Like, ooh, you better not be frustrated with God. But can I tell you this morning that God is a father? God is a father who knows your emotions, knows what you're dealing with. Can I tell you this, that before you even voice the fact that you're frustrated with God, he already knows that you're frustrated, <laughs> right? Before it even comes out of your mouth, he already knows it, right? He's, that, he's just that good. So, so at times when you're dealing and struggling with situation, we tend to maybe even start to focus on, well, God, you know, this, this might be kind of your fault. And can I tell you that sometimes it is. Sometimes God will place hard situations and hard moments in your life, uh, one, to build character in you, to change your character, to move you to a new level. Three, sometimes to get you out of your complacency. Right now, I am not one of those preachers that says once you get saved, everything's just going to be rosy from then on forward. Right at the moment you get saved, just ah, the sun comes out, angels start shining, and 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 every time you get out of the shower, it's like you're just walking on clouds, you know, across your day. Right? I'm I'm not that preacher because that's not scriptural, and that's not biblical. And there's a lot of times in in the Bible and in scripture that says, hey, you're going to go through some hard situations, you're going to go through some hard times, and it's okay. You're going to go through some hard times. And James, we all love James, right? And James says, listen, when you go through a hard time, go ahead and give the Lord a shout of praise. You know, that, I'm paraphrasing right there, but, but that's basically what James said. He said, give the Lord, give him a shout of praise when you go through a hard time, when you go through a hard situation. And everybody's like, I really don't like James, right? But James don't care, right? Because James is telling the truth. When we go through hard times, uh, we, we, we acknowledge that, hey, this is just minuscule portion of what Jesus had to go through. And Jesus knows everything that we've been through. And Jesus has walked through everything that we feel. And Jesus uh, is our Savior and is our King. And in the moment and times that we go through hard times, it's, it's, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset. And it's, sometimes it's even okay to be mad at God, but it's not okay to stay that way. And when you go through pain and times of frustration, you may get mad at God, but you need to get it right pretty quick. Right? You need to settle back down and turn back around and humble yourself before him and say, yes, Lord, I had some emotions for the feeling, and you know that. But, Lord, I trust you in all that I go through. Lord, every time there's pain, I, I recognize, Lord, uh, if there's a reason for this pain, Father, why don't we get through it quick so I can learn the lesson and get on the other side. Right? Lord, let's not prolong this pain. 
you know, let's, let, ooh, this hurts, Lord. Let it squeeze, you know, I, I'll take the squeezing, Lord, but let's make it quick, right? It's kind of like a needle getting stuck at the doctor's office, right? You're like, just don't let me look at it and make it quick, right? I want to I get it done with. Uh, but sometimes God uses it. He, he creates it, right? So, so most of our greatest fears as a church have to do with the possibility of being in pain. A lot of times your greatest fear the things that you struggle with the most, that you say, oh, Lord, I can deal with anything, but don't let me deal with that. Lord, I can, I can deal with a lot of situations, Lord, but don't put me in that situation. God, I, I can deal with this. I can deal with my own little issues, but don't make me go through what so-and-so is going through. right? And a lot of times it has to do with fear because we have a fear of being in certain types of pain. right? We have a fear of it. Uh, but can I tell you today that if God uses pain to create purpose in us, then fear sometimes is your greatest enemy of your purpose. And if God uses certain painful situations and certain painful times uh, to, to get us to our purpose, to motivate us, then fear of stepping into that battle or stepping into that realm or dealing with that situation or dealing with those old thoughts or dealing with those old feelings or dealing with what happened to you when you were 8 years old or dealing to what happened to you when you were 23 years old. The old stuff that, that the Lord wants to dig out and bring out of you and deal with, sometimes that's painful for a moment to get you to your purpose. But if you have fear of opening the door, then your fear is keeping you from getting to your purpose. Right? It's the enemy of your purpose. But how many of you know today that God is present in our pain? God is present in our pain, and he's ready to utilize it to launch something new inside of you for the future. That if we deal with our pain in the right way, if we let it process out in a biblical way, then I guarantee you that God will use it to make you better for the future. That God will use it to, 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 to just propel you to the purpose that he has for you. Amen? How many of you have understood that and, and, and dealt with that in your life? I have. Right? I've had moments of extreme pain that were my greatest fears. And then when that fear came true and I walked through that, it was the pain that propelled me to my purpose. It was, the, it was the pain that God used to change something in me that propelled me to move into my purpose. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27 uh, if you're there, go ahead and say amen. It says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, and intercedes for us with groans that cannot even contain words. The whole, how many of you know the Holy Spirit feels and understands the, your pain? The Holy Spirit living within you once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, lives within you, knows what you're experiencing, knows what you're feeling, knows your pain. Right? And then it says in the scripture that he intercedes for you with groanings that cannot even produce words. Can I tell you today, that's not talking about praying in tongues. Right? That's not talking about that he intercedes. There are moments for that in the word, but this particular moment in the word is not talking about praying in tongues because tongues is a type of words. It's a different language. But it says the Spirit groans for you in such a way that it doesn't even contain words. Have you ever been in such pain that you have groaned wordlessly? 
Like in that moment, you just find yourself groaning and you don't even have the words to, to, to put into sentences to explain how you feel in the moment. And you're in such pain and such struggle in the moment that you just begin to groan, right? You just, oh, and you just start to make noises, right? It's the same thing physically or emotionally. How many of you have ever uh, hit your thumb with a hammer? And hopefully you didn't say some choice words, but you just groaned. Right? Hopefully you just groaned in that moment and you were just like, ah! Right? Well, it's the same in the physical as it is in the emotional. Sometimes there's something that feels like a hammer just hits you in the emotions. And you can't handle it. You can't put it into words. You can't eloquently talk about it over tea. You just have to get down on your face and begin to pray. But the moment that you say, oh, Lord! And then you don't have anything else to say. And you say, Lord! And you just groan. Maybe you're not as vocal as I am. Maybe that groaning's a lot less loud. But maybe you just lay on your face and you just moan in the moment. Because you, you've been through pain. Can I tell you that in that moment, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're dealing with. Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're, what you're going through. And begins to intercede for you and groan on your behalf. Begins to moan and groan for your situation on, on your behalf. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, he, God says that he in the third person of the Trinity groans on our behalf when we're too weak to do it ourselves. I, I remember a time and a moment in my life uh, where I was in transition. How many of you know transitions are painful? I, I was in transition and I remember just being tired in the spirit. And, and being tired in the flesh and just tired of dealing with the struggle and my mind was tired. And I remember coming home and, and my wife was like, uh, listen, I need you to go change because we got a birthday party going on right now. We got 40 people in the house. And I'm like, ah! no, I didn't do that, but I did it on the inside. And in that moment, I was just groaning on the inside because I was so tired and I was so done. And then I, I went into the bedroom to change. And how many of you know I, I couldn't even change? I fell on my knees on the floor. I laid down before God. And I just began to weep. And I began to cry. And can I tell you, in those moments when you don't even know what to say, God will come over and overshadow you and begin to move on your pain and your situation and your frustration and begin to bring healing to your mind and healing to your spirit and healing to your soul and begin to move over you and, and there's an anointing that just begins to flow over from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet when you have just totally released all of your pain, all of your frustration, all of your struggles and you say, God, I can't even put it into words. I can't even adequately describe how I feel, but Lord, you know the frustration I'm going through. You know the situation, God, and he begins to move on it because he understands what you're going through without you even saying a word. I remember laying on the floor and my wife coming in, and sometimes my wife is a getter dunner, you know, especially when she's got an event to plan. She is a getter dunner. And she walked in the room and she looked at me laying on the floor crying, and she goes, I ain't got time for this. Thanks. No. But then she caught herself and she went, oh. 
Steve's at a breaking point. And you know what she did? She went and got my mother-in-law. She went and got two dear friends of ours that were in the house, Ken and Ingrid Banks. And, and, and she brought them in. And I didn't see nothing, didn't hear much, was zoned out just on the floor wordlessly moaning in my spirit before the Lord. And I felt head, hands on my head. And when I opened my eyes, it was my mother-in-law laid down on her knees, prostrate before the Lord with her hands on my head, just interceding on my behalf. And then I heard singing. I heard singing in the background. And my, my friends, Ken and Ingrid, started worshiping in the room. They started filling the room with worship. And let me tell you, they were, they were, some, they were some of my best friends. And in that moment, they... They were worshiping on my behalf. They were praising God for the situation to change. And with their worship and my mother-in-law's intercession and my wife praying, uh, it wasn't too long I was able to get up, get dressed, change, walk out into that, into that party and entertain like I was supposed to be doing. It was one of our kids' birthday parties. Right? In just a few moments, God moved and, and just healed what I was going through in the situation. Can I tell you today, at the point of your greatest pain and frustration, if you just lay down before the Lord and you just give it to him, uh, it doesn't always take weeks and it doesn't always take months. It doesn't always take years, but sometimes you can give it to God and he can do in 10 to 15 minutes uh, what, what a therapist can do over 27 years. He can move on your situation and bring healing and wholeness. Amen. I am not against therapists, but I am totally pro Holy Spirit. Right? Use your therapist, but use the Holy Spirit first and put the Holy Spirit in charge. Amen. So God says that third person of the Trinity, of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf when we're too weak to continue ourselves. C.S. Lewis says this. This is a quote. He said, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That, we can ignore it when we're in pleasure, right? You, you, don't, you don't think, okay, let's, we live in Florida about mid-August. It's 187,000 degrees outside. And if you're blessed to have it, you're sitting inside your home in a lazy boy with the, with the seat kicked back. And there's this hum in the background. And it's this air conditioning that's just flowing through your house. And it's keeping you cool. And outside you would be sweating and, uh, and complaining. But inside your house it's cool and you're sitting there and the air conditioning's flowing. And you're just kind of kicked back. And you can still find something to complain about in that moment. Because you can ignore even your pleasures. You can ignore even when your body is being taken care of to the utmost fullest. You, can, you, you could be eating, man, you could be eating prime rib with collard greens and some cornbread. I don't know why I mix prime rib with that, but that's just, I like it, I like it all. You could be eating all of that and still find something to complain about. 
You could be eating all of that and something could catch your attention and, and get you to still start complaining in that moment, right? We can still find something to ignore even when we are in pleasure. But pain, pain makes us sit up and take notice. So does God give us pleasures? Absolutely. But he knows even in the pleasures, we only pay attention for so long. But sometimes when we walk into a season of pain, whether God created the storm or allowed the storm to happen, however you want to view it, God knows that in that storm, he can get your attention. In that storm, he can change your thinking. Because a lot of times when you're in pleasure and everything's going right, you can't change your thinking. But you walk into a storm, you walk into a moment of pain, you begin to feel pain inflicted on yourself, on your situation, on your family, on your household, on your job, on your bank account, on whatever is happening in your life. You begin to feel a little pain, it gets your attention. You stand up and take notice, don't you? And in that moment, we hear God a little more clear, right? Than, than when we're just laid back in our pleasures. The truth is the thought of pain that could be beneficial for our purpose offends us. That's true. And if, if you were totally honest, you would probably say, yeah. Like, it offends me a little bit to think that maybe God would allow me to go through a struggle or a storm. Right? It offends me just a little bit. And sometimes some of you, if we were being totally honest today, could read the book of Job and go, I don't even understand that. What do you mean God said, go ahead and, 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 and test Job? Job wasn't even on his radar until God put him on his radar. Right? And we say, I don't even understand that. Well, a lot of times we don't need to understand what happens in our life. We just need to trust God through it. Right? And understand that there's a purpose for every situation. And, and, and if there wasn't a purpose designed for it, God will create a purpose in it. Right? If it's from the enemy, God will still make a purpose out of it. But if it's from God, its design is to get you to your purpose. It's designed in the moment is to get you there. So most of us spend our lives avoiding pain, drowning pain in hobbies or addictions, or clapping our hands like a high school football coach yelling, ignore the pain, walk it off, just ignore it, right? And we live through life like that sometimes. That, man, even when the pain comes, we're like, nope, I ain't even going to do it. I'm going to walk. <laughs> yeah. We're like, throw the ball, throw the ball. Right? I'm hurt. My knee just got blown out, but I'm, I'm, gonna just, I'm still going to play, coach. Put me in, right? And, and sometimes we've got to recognize that when you're in pain, it's a moment to sit down and listen and ask God, what is your purpose in this moment? God, what is your purpose for me in this moment? Where do you want me to go? And the longer it takes you to sit down and listen and try to find your purpose in the moment, the longer you'll be going through the storm, Right? So, so most often we fail to see the purpose behind our pain and we waste the experience. So what happens? If people who don't study history are doomed to repeat its mistakes, and we've, we've heard that quote a, a, a million times in my life, right? That people who don't learn from their own history make the same mistakes continuously. Have you ever just looked at your life and said, man, why do I keep doing that? You ever wake up... It's, it's kind of like touching the burner on the stove like a hundred times, right? You go, oh, that's pretty, ow. And then you walk through a few minutes later, oh, that's pretty, ow. And you keep trying to touch the same burner a hundred times because you're not learning from the mistakes. You're not learning from the pain. 
right? Sometimes we've got to sit down in our life and say, okay, God, I've had this pain about 18 times now, right? I've, I've, I've dated the wrong dude about 27 times now. What, am I, what are you trying to teach me in this, Lord? Lord, I, I picked up. No, I ain't going there. But, but what, are you, what are you trying to teach me in this, Lord? If, if I've done the wrong thing over and over again, I've got to take the moment to sit down and learn from God what his purpose in the pain is, right? So what if pain in your life is a struggle between two realities? And if you stick with me for just a few more moments, I want to try to lay this out for you today. What if the pain in your life is a struggle between two realities in your life? And these realities are this, the reality of slave trying to hold you back and the reality of sons and daughters trying to move you into your purpose. So what if the pain that's, that's there, the tension in that moment is the struggle between you moving out of the reality of being a slave, slave to sin, slave to the flesh, slave to your desires, moving out of a reality of being a slave into the reality of being a son. What if there's a change there? Let's flip to Exodus and dig into this for a moment. Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'll give you a moment. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. They said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows." So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So in this moment, God's chosen people, the people of Israel, God's chosen family, the family that God decided, I'm going to stick with this family and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to see them come into the promised land. The family that, that God was faithful to, but they weren't always faithful to God. The family that God always had good intentions for, but their intentions always wavered from God's intentions. Right? And in this moment, we see that Israel is in a situation. They were slaves in Egypt. They were made slaves, and they were slaves to a cruel taskmaster. And the Pharaoh has no mercy or grace for the Israelites. 
The Israelites were experiencing pain to get them to the point that they would cry out to the Lord for rescue, not just from their pain, but to be rescued into their purpose. That oftentimes when we're crying out in pain, we shouldn't just be looking for rescue from the, from the pain, but be praying, God, rescue me from the pain and into the purpose. Take me from the infliction of the pain in the moment and bring me into the purpose that you have had for me. Bring me into the purpose that you have for me in that moment. So God said in this moment, he said, uh, I'm not just going to kill the Pharaoh to give you reprieve for a time, but I'm going to deliver you into your own land flowing with milk and honey. So there was many different ways God could have answered their prayer. God could have came in and just boom, made them all disappear. And just relocated them somewhere else. God could have done any, any certain of things. God could have killed Pharaoh and all the people in his house that were so hard and taskmasters on the, on the Israelites. He could have just wiped them all out. They all could have died a, by a heart attack in a moment and just fell. And then everybody would have been in fear of the Israelites. Right? God could have done many different things in that moment. right? But God decided to use their pain uh, in the moment that they cried out to him. To not just rescue them from their pain, but to push them into their purpose. To push them towards the, the, uh, the land of milk and honey, right? To Towards them towards the promised land. God doesn't use the pain just as a point for you to depend on him for the moment, but to create a new perspective in you that depends on God for the rest of your life. That's when things change for you. When you, when you decide to let God use the pain, not just uh, uh, for a reprieve in the moment or to change your mind in the moment, but to change your mind so that everything is different for the rest of your life. That in that moment that God rescues you from your pain, you don't go back to the way that I got broken and hurt before. But I decide in that moment that I'm going to change my steps. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to change my perspective so that I can walk into my purpose. And if we do that, then everything in our life begins to change. So we're delivered from the pain, not just for relief, but for purpose. And the Lord said this in the scripture we've just read. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So he has seen their oppression. He has heard their cry. And he says, I know their sorrows. Where does that sound familiar? Oh, we just read about that a little while ago about the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Because why? Because he knows your sorrows. But can I tell you today, the Holy Spirit doesn't just know your sorrows. He knows your purpose. And when he is interceding for you with wordless groans, he's not just interceding for, for the pain to stop. He's interceding for you through the pain to get a perspective of your purpose so that you can step into a different kind of life than what you've been living. So that you don't have to stay in that circle of pain. Amen. How many of you have known people who have stayed in the circle of pain forever? Man, it may even be somebody in this room, but you just stayed in that circle of pain for forever and you couldn't seem to find the exit. You couldn't seem to find the door and it's because you didn't really deal with it properly, right? It, it takes that moment that you've got to sit down with God and say, what's the reason for the pain? In Exodus chapter 5, if you flip over a couple of pages, verses 1 through 2 reads like this. 
Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. The let my people go. How many of you know that, that became a pretty awesome song? Like, let my people go. Right? But, but, but there, was a, there was a theme in that. That he sent Moses and Aaron to the Pharaoh to let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let his people go. How many of you know he got a little cocky in the moment? Right? He, he, he took a wrong turn right about there. Right about there, Pharaoh took a wrong turn. Movis went to Pharaoh and said, the Lord says, let my people go. Pharaoh answers, I don't know him and I won't do it. He didn't try to investigate, what do you mean his people? Who's the Lord? Who are we talking about? He just in that moment said, I don't know him. I'm not going to do it. Right? So, so the Lord says, let my people go because they are my sons and daughters. Let my people go. They belong to me. The Lord says, they're my sons and daughters. And Pharaoh says, no, they're my slaves. The Lord says, they are my sons. And Pharaoh says, no, they're my slaves. And the Lord sends another plague and says, they are my sons and daughters. Let them go. And Pharaoh says, no, they are my slaves. And there's this tug of war between two realities happening in the house of Israel this day. But it's the same tug of war that happens in us on a daily basis. If the enemy comes in and says, I want to hang on to this one because he or she is my slave. And the Lord says, let them go because they are my sons or daughters. And in the moment of the perspective and the decision that you make when you're going through pain will prove whether you are still a slave or whether you're a son or a daughter. What's your perspective? What's your perspective in the moment? Are you talking, acting, crying, whining like a slave? Or are you stepping up in authority and proclaiming Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and saying, I am a son or a daughter of the Most High King? How are we acting in the moment of our pain? Are we a slave or are we a son or a daughter? So both realities are actually correct in this moment. They are sons and daughters of the Lord, but they are also slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. So there's this struggle in the reality, and both realities are correct. But here we go. Here's this. There's a new struggle because both can't continue to reside together. You can't stay a slave for long and still be a son. Israel was in bondage for 400 years, and it was time. How many of you know the Lord's more patient than we are? But there was time that Israel was going to step up and say, no more slave, no more bondage, no more chains. These are my sons and daughters. Moses, Aaron, go tell them to let my people go. But they're my slaves. They're what? They're my slaves. They're who? They're what? They're my slaves. They're what? They're my slaves. And God says, no, they are my sons and daughters. And God's more powerful than the Pharaoh of Egypt. God is also more powerful than the demonic that you're facing in your life. 
the stuff that has you bound up and the stuff that is keeping its grip on you can't keep its grip for long because there's a new tension today. And that tension is that you may be a slave and also a son, but you can't stay that way. Eventually, you have to move into sonship away from slaveship. Exodus 4.22 says this. The Lord instructs Moses to say this. Israel is my son. Exodus 4.22. Listen to this. He says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. How many of you know there was a prophecy from Jeremiah concerning Jesus in this moment? Right? And Jesus we find all through Scripture. And in the Old Testament, we see Jesus concealed. But in the New Testament, we see Jesus revealed. So all through Scripture in the Old Testament, everything you read, there's something there about Jesus. And in this moment, we see Israel uh, being called my son by the Lord, even my firstborn. So, so there's a power struggle for a time between Moses and Aaron representing the Lord and the Pharaoh representing darkness. But then this. Ultimately, it was a death blow that released the children of Israel as God caused the angel of death to visit the home of the Egyptians, taking every firstborn son so that Pharaoh would allow God's firstborn son to leave. So Pharaoh, God knew what it was going to take for Pharaoh to release his hand. And it took a death blow for something to change. It took a major grieving moment throughout Egypt for them to release the perspective that Israel was their son or that Israel was their slave and not God's son. But in this moment, it was the, it was the Egypt had also planted these seeds because Egypt had killed the firstborn of Israel 80 years earlier. So 80 years earlier, Egyptians walked from house to house of the Israelites and killed the firstborn. And it was in that moment when, when, Israel, when Egypt was doing this to Israel that it catapulted Moses to the purpose that God had for him. Because it was 80 years earlier when Moses' mother took him and hid him in a basket and pushed him out into the river. It was in that moment that Egypt uh, uh, inflicted such a pain on Israel that, it, that their mourning was heard through the streets, right? It inflicted such a pain in Israel. It was in that moment that God chose to catapult Moses into moving into the delivery that he had, the delivery vessel that God had planned for Egypt. So it was in that moment, right? And then it was in the death of the Egyptians' firstborn sons that created the catalyst for Israel's deliverance. Pharaoh still decided to chase them and recapture his slaves. So for a moment, he changed his thinking. For a moment, Pharaoh changed his perspective. Okay, they're not my slaves, they're your sons and daughters. Just go, go, just get out, just stay away from us, right? In the moment, he had the change of perspective. But then how many of you know that, that if you don't have a, a complete change in understanding coming before the Lord and allowing the Lord to do a complete change in your heart and mind that you will always cycle back and return to your old perspectives? So in this moment, as Israel is running and leaving and heading out of Egypt, 
Pharaoh, as they got out a little ways into the wilderness, decided to go back to his old perspective. He circled back, right? He went back to his old perspective. And, and in that moment, he, he went back to his old perspective and, and, and decided to send the military after them. So Pharaoh still decided to capture and, and recapture the slaves that he thought he owned, even though he knew at this point now they were God's sons and daughters. Then in chapter 14, we come to the Red Sea. The children of Israel ran to the sea as slaves, cowered in fear at its banks as slaves, turned around in fear and watched the army and the military of Pharaoh descend on them, acting and cowering like slaves. They had ran to the water as slaves, were in fear on its banks as slaves, watched the army coming down and feared their own destruction and death as slaves. And then they saw the Lord part the water for them to walk across as sons and daughters. There's a moment in your life that brings you into understanding of being a son or a daughter. And sometimes it's not the same moment in your life that brings you to an understanding that you need to get saved, right? Because sometimes, I, like me, I got saved at eight years old out of fear. I was in a little Baptist church in West Virginia, and I've probably told this story a few times, but some of you may not have heard it. And I was sitting on the back row, and uh, I went to the church because there was really cute girls there and because they had cupcakes in the basement after service. That was my, that was my two desires to go to church. So I went to church for that. And as I was sitting on that back pew, they had a guest speaker come in who was a brimstone, a fire and brimstone preacher, man. And he got up on that stage and began to preach about hell. And he said, you don't want to go to hell. Ah! And he, he hopped after every sentence, right? He said, you don't want to go to hell ah! because the fire is hot. Ah! And you can't get any water. Ah! And there's worms that will eat your flesh. Ah! And, he, and he's shouting all this stuff. And he's swinging from the ceiling fan in this old church, you know. And he's just shouting this stuff. And I'm eight years old sitting in the back pew. And I said, I don't want no worms eating my body at all. Pen worms or otherwise. I don't want no worms eating my body. So I got out of that seat and ran to the altar. I slid in like third base, y'all. I came in feet first into the altar, stood up, and I had tears flowing down my face. And that old preacher walked over to me and he said, son, are you ready to give it up today? And my little eight-year-old voice said, yes. And he said, are you ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today? And I went, oh, Yes. And he said, then today I proclaim you a child of the God. And he started walking me through it in his gruff and gravelly voice. And I was just bawling the whole time with my face laid down at the altar. And I got up from there that day saved, y'all. But I was still operating as a slave for a lot of my life. So I was saved, but I still allowed parts of me to be owned by the enemy. I was saved, but I wasn't all the way saved. And then at a point in my adult life, I had an old perspective come circling back. A whole perspective came circling back into my life. And I noticed in that moment, wow, now I'm going all in to being a slave. Right? So there had to come a point of pain in my life where I recognized 
and changed my perspective completely that I am no longer a slave, but now I'm a son and a or a daughter, right? And and it was a moment of, of some of the greatest pain I've ever experienced in my life. A moment of having everything that I thought was secure in my life ripped away from me. And in a moment where everything was changing around me and I didn't have the power to do anything about it. And I recognized that living as a slave stinks. And I needed to change that. And I hit my knees. And in that day, I asked God to make me a son. In that day, I moved from slaveship to sonship. And everything in my life changed after that. I'm telling you what, you go home and do this today. You get on your knees. You repent for everything that you've kept from God and you need to let go of. And next week you'll be a preacher. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of y'all are like, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. No, I'm just kidding. But, but listen, that was something that changed drastically in me. And I'll be honest with you, there was only uh, two preachers in my life that I liked. There was only two. It was Pastor Rushing and it was Rick Welshans. Every other preacher, I couldn't stand. And I didn't, I didn't like preachers, didn't want any part of it. I knew two men who I thought were uh, the real deal. And I thought every other preacher was a fake. But God said, I'll show you. And when I became a son and moved into sonship, he changed my entire perspective. He changed my perspective about everything. So, so in this moment, guys, they, they ran to the water as slaves. They were on the bank as slaves. They saw the enemy coming as a slave. They were, they were in this moment where they saw all of this, and then God opened the water. They walked across as sons and daughters, and then something miraculous happened. The enemy followed them into the water, and God caused the water to collapse back on the enemy, and the water washed away their greatest fears. When God provides a way for you to walk into sonship and daughtership and leave the slaveship behind, what he will also do is wash away the fears associated with it. So you can get, you can get saved and still struggle with all of life's struggles and still, and still have some chains and some bondage and some issues that you're just working out, right? I'm just working it out, right? But there comes a moment in your life where you give it completely over to the Lord. And he makes you a son or a daughter. And you get to walk in a new authority unlike any you've ever had. As a son or a daughter, if you've been in the last few Wednesday nights we've been talking about, you are an heir. Right? If you're a son or a daughter, you're an heir to the kingdom. You walk in a new power and a new purpose. So, so here we go. Let's look at this real quick to, to kind of wrap up. Death is the transition from slave to sons and daughters. Death is the transition from fear to redemption. Death is the transition from pain to purpose. The old you is buried under the water. The old things you decide to let go of to grab a hold of your purpose. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, I'm not going to wait for you to turn there, says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? 
By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen? So there's good news. I've taken the whole service to, to explain some of the bad news to you. But there's good news that if you have to deal with the persecution and the struggle and the strife and the things that come against you in this life because you're a Christian, you also get to partake in heaven and, and, the, and, the, and the, the newness of what comes in the new life. That we get to get excited today, church, because we get to die to all the stuff that was a struggle in our life. And we get to live to the newness of who God is in our life. Amen. So it's by death. But whose death? The death of the old you. The death of the sinful you. The death of the fleshly you. The death of the worrying you. The death of the, the, you know, the, the, the slave you. And it's time to move into the son or the daughter you. So we may desire, church, come help me, Pastor Brad. We may desire to hide from pain because we fail to see its purpose. But we all stand in the shadow of the cross where Jesus met pain head on to fulfill the purpose that he was sent for by the Father. Amen? Stand with me, church. Jesus said this, follow me, kill off your old self, put on my garments, pick up your cross, and find your purpose in the kingdom. So this week, we, we, we've talked about the pain in your purpose because it's the pain oftentimes that catapults you to your purpose. So if you find yourself in pain today, there may be a reason for your pain, and it may be to catapult you into a purpose that God has for you. And if you are struggling and dealing with the same pain that you've dealt with over and over and over again, and you might recognize today that it might come from past decisions, it might come from issues of, of, of reflecting back around and having the same thought process. But whatever it is that causes that pain that you're dealing with today, can I ask you today to sit down, be quiet and ask the Lord, what's the purpose of this pain? Why am I dealing with it, Lord? Why am I struggling with it? And then be quiet and allow him to speak into you. Now, this is something uh, that we could do around the altars today, but I don't feel like we're supposed to. I believe that this is supposed to be something that you do at home in your own prayer closet. And it, Listen, if you're new to church, when we say prayer closet, we just mean to, to go somewhere and get away from the noise. Go somewhere and get alone with God. It could be in your closet if you wanted to, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, right? Just go get alone with God somewhere in your house, somewhere outside, somewhere in nature. Uh, if you like to fish, do it when you're bass fishing. That's what I do, all right? But just, just go get alone with God and ask him, Lord, what's the purpose for my pain? What purpose do you have for me in the kingdom? 
and then be ready to hear it when he tells you. Because he might speak to you some things about your life that you don't necessarily want to hear. But understand that if he wants to change something in your life, it's because he wants to change you from slave to son. He wants to move you from slave to daughter. So listen and be obedient. Amen. Can you guys give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Listen, before we go, um, Brandon Barch is standing up over here. Brandon, would you just lift your hand? <laughs> so Brandon serves in the National Guard, and uh, he is engaged to Brandy. They're both a, a part of our church. Um, but he serves in the National Guard, and he's just back from a, a one-year, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Deployment, thank you. He just got back from a one-year deployment. So would you guys just give him a hand clap of appreciation? Thank you. Thank you so much, Brandon, for your service. We appreciate you. And I also, church, today got the opportunity with my own two eyes to see Xavier, who is Pastor Eddie and Zuli's son, who is in boot camp currently. Uh, got to see him on FaceTime. He called me while me and, Pastor, me and Pastor Eddie were meeting in my office this morning. So he looks good with a buzz cut, y'all. He looks good. Looks kind of like Lonnie. You know, no, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Let's pray, church, and then, and then let's, let's go today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence today. Lord, we want to be sons and daughters. We want to walk in the freedom of what you've called us to be. We don't want to have the perspective of slave any longer. But Lord, we want to have the perspective that we get to walk in authority and power as your children. Lord, I declare today over this church, Father, that when we leave, that each person in here would take that time and take that moment to hear your voice this week. And that, Father, that you would speak into them, that you would begin to mold them, that you would begin to change uh, them, change all of us, Lord, that you would begin to do a new thing in us, Father, that you would help us to, to pull out the weeds so that the flowers may blossom. Help us to pull out the thorns, Lord, so that the garden begins to bloom properly. Lord, help us to move into who you have us to be in your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.